Did anyone else really enjoy the children's program this morning? One of the things that I love about the children's program is the gospel message gets put into a much more simple version. Sometimes we can kind of make it more difficult than it really is. Uh, The reality is Christmas is all about the love of Christ being given to our world, to us as the body of Christ. Uh, We have been privileged we have been privileged to be able to, uh, to have a Savior that loved us enough that he would send everything for us. God would love us so much that he would send his own son to be the Savior for you and for me. Earlier this morning, I had Richard share a passage from Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25, where specifically Mary is given this announcement. And as a part of this announcement, there is a great, there is a great promise that is given to all of humanity. We are told very specifically that this child that is to be born will be named Jesus, and he will save his people from their sin. Later on, it actually identifies another name that is given to Jesus, and it's Emmanuel, which comes all the way from the book of Isaiah, where Isaiah says that his name will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. An interesting idea within this is that as Jesus came to the world, he came to a very, very, very messy world. He came to a world that was full of junk, full of things that seem to make no sense and has no value in society, yet it's it's a part of the world that existed at that time. And I got to tell you, we still live in a messy world. When we begin to consider how messy the world was in which Jesus came, first let's consider the, the family that he comes to. You have Mary with all of her dreams and aspirations. She's going to marry this wonderful man, and they are going to have a great life together. They are going to love one another. They're going to have children. They'll be successful. There'll be all kinds of great things that'll come with it. And none of it has happened yet, but it's about to happen. She's already pledged to be married. They are basically engaged, although they've not really come together yet. Mary receives word that you will be with child. Now, can you imagine the conversation when she goes to Joseph? Honey, now, I know what you're going to think, and I know this sounds crazy, but I just want you to know it's not what you think. I've been faithful, but I'm pregnant. Can you imagine how that conversation went? Do you think Joseph said, oh, Sure, I believe everything you're saying, Mary. That's wonderful. Looking forward to being married to you, even though I can't believe anything you tell me. The reality is that was a very messy situation. In all of her dreams and aspirations, she never thought that this would be possible. Come to think of it, neither did he. We're told that he was actually a very good man. In fact, it says that he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, I want you to understand how clear it is that he was a good man. In their culture, she could be punished severely for being pregnant outside of marriage. I know in our culture today, it seems as though you almost expect people to get married or to um, have, be pregnant outside of marriage, but it's not the way that it's supposed to be, and it's not the way that it was then. In that moment in time, we know that there were certain punishments that came about. The simplest of punishments could have been the mere fact that 
she could have been disgraced among the community. In fact, it even states that in the passage, not wanting her to be disgraced. Can you imagine the people talking about Mary? Did you hear she got pregnant? Did you hear it wasn't even Joseph's child? Again, a messy world. Do you remember the story where the woman had been caught in adultery? Jesus was standing up preaching and these men come and they bring this woman to Jesus and they remind him of the law, which states that a woman who had been caught in adultery should be stoned to death. They were right. That was what the law said. In fact, Jesus never corrects them with that. Instead, he simply says, you're right and let he who is without sin cast the first stone. What that tells us about Mary is according to the law, she could have been killed. Not because she was guilty of anything, but simply because of public perception, which would have said, yes, you must be guilty because there's no other way. Do you realize how messy her world seemed at that moment? What makes it even worse is how good Joseph was. You see, Joseph didn't want those things. There's a part of him, his Feelings had to be crushed. His pride had to be crushed. This woman was supposed to be my wife, and she was supposed to be faithful to me. He could have been angry and bitter, but instead he responds with love and grace. He says, you know what? I don't want you to suffer. I don't want you to be punished, but I can't take you to be my wife. So he had in mind to simply divorce her quietly. And how broken must she have felt in that moment? But God was not done in their messiness. Instead, God appears to Joseph. And as he appears to Joseph, he, full, he basically proves to him, tells him, confirms everything that Mary had said. This child is not the child of adultery. This child is the result of the Holy Spirit. And there is a child that is going to be born, and this child you will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Clearly, there was brokenness in Mary and Joseph, but know that God was not content leaving them messy and broken. God made things right. In the same way, he takes a broken and messy world and he makes things right. Jesus comes to save the people from his sin. We see here within this passage a model of God taking that which is messy and making it whole. Actually, if you think about it, the messiness of the world didn't just begin with Joseph and Mary and their time period. The world had been messy for a long time. Really, you can go all the way back to Adam and Eve. The moment they committed sin, the world got messy. Everybody got along. Everybody loved. It was a peaceful thing. You could do all kinds of things, and there was nothing immoral about what was taking place. There was one thing they weren't supposed to do to partake of a specific fruit from a specific tree. And the moment they did, death entered the world and the world became very messy. You think about some of the messiness of the Old Testament. Cain killed Abel. What an incredibly messy situation. Imagine the brokenness that Adam and Eve felt, knowing what it had been like for so long to live in the Garden of Eden and all of the peace and beauty and wholeness. And now they watch as one of their own children kills another of their children. How broken and messy must their world have been 
Consider David and Bathsheba. We often look at David as this incredible man of God who did so many wonderful things and certainly had a heart for God, and God even loved his heart. He says, this is a man after my own heart. Yet David, in his humanity, in his sinfulness, in his messiness, commits adultery with Bathsheba. It's a pretty messy world. But do you know that in the messiness of our world, God works to bring redemption and hope? It's the way it's always been. Do you know that there have been times that God would look into that messiness and he would actually use the messiness to turn it into something good? For example, I just mentioned David and Bathsheba. Clearly, that was a messy situation. It wasn't the best that God had for him. God didn't want David to have an affair with Bathsheba. He didn't want Bathsheba's husband to be killed. But it happened. The child that is born out of their unhealthy relationship dies. But do you know the next child that would be born to Bathsheba is a man named Solomon? Solomon would become the wisest of kings among all of Israel. Clearly, we look at Solomon in a very positive light. God would take the messiness and he would turn it into something good. The people of Israel were constantly being oppressed by different nations, often because of their own sin, but they were constantly being oppressed. And on one occasion, they find themselves under Persian rule. The king is a man named Artaxerxes, and Artaxerxes basically oppresses the Israelite people. Sounds like a messy situation, but in the midst of that messiness, along comes a man named Ezra. Artaxerxes would give Ezra control over the entire treasury of Persia. He would actually allow him to take from the treasury, whatever he needed to offer sacrifices back to the one true living God, to take from the treasury whatever he needed to give him the authority to teach others what it is to serve the Lord and to restore the temple to the beauty which it was supposed to have all along. God can work through the messiness of our world. My thought for you this morning, these kids have done a beautiful job of presenting the love of Christ for us. But I wonder if maybe your world is a little bit messy today. And perhaps you need God to take your messy and to turn it into something beautiful. The beauty in the story of Christ is that he does not merely take the messiness of our lives and turn it into something good, but he can make us whole again. When Jesus Christ came, Jesus Christ took a messy world and he offered them the hope of redemption. He steps in. And he makes what was impossible possible. All of the sin of the world simply leads to death. That's the way it's always been. Remember, we started back with Adam and Eve. From that moment on, we see death. Remember, they had to watch their own children as one took the life of another. Imagine years down the road as they continue to watch death, knowing that that's not the way that it was supposed to be. But sin carries a death consequence. 
Jesus Christ comes in and he makes it possible for us to be redeemed. I know, as long as the Lord doesn't come back sooner, all of us one day will die. But for us, it is not the end. For we have a promise because one man, one God, Jesus Christ came and paid the price for your sin and for my sin. That's what Christmas is about. We think of Christmas as being a time where we celebrate a baby in a manger. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a wonderful thing. We think about the angels and the shepherds and all of the other characters that are a part of the story. But when it comes down to it, without the rest of the story, we miss what it's really about. The rest of the story is that Jesus Christ would live a whole perfect life. And he would become the sacrifice, willingly laying down his life for you and for me. And after doing so, God the Father would allow him to be resurrected, overcoming sin on the cross, paying for your sin and for my sin, overcoming death when he rose from the grave. My hope and prayer is that every one of you today knows that hope and peace that Christ alone can offer. But if you do not, I believe that God is calling to you right now to respond to his grace. We're told in his word that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and he will forgive us of our sins and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And every person in this room is a recipient of that promise, if only we will place our faith and trust in him. I'm going to ask you, each one, to bow your heads and close your eyes at this moment. Perhaps there are some of you today that would say, Pastor, I have come specifically because the children were performing today. But I am not ready to meet my God, and I want so much to have that hope and peace that Jesus offered if that's you, would you just raise your hand right now? I want to be able to lead you in a prayer. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want to be able to lead you in a prayer so that you might have that hope and peace. Thank you. Father, as we come before you today, Lord, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for the love that you extend to us every single day, but most of all, for the love that you extended to us when you sent your son to the earth, not just to live as a human being, but to become the sacrifice to pay for our sins. Lord, each individual who is in here today, Lord, we are recipients of your grace. But you tell us now that if we will simply put our faith and trust in you, if we would surrender our lives to you, that you will forgive us of our sins and you will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we will confess where we have fallen short, where sin has abounded in our lives, Lord, that you will make us whole. And I pray right now that you would do that in each one for the two individuals that just had their hands raised. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come in and that in this moment you would offer forgiveness and that you would give us the opportunity to truly experience the presence of your Holy Spirit. 
As we leave the sin of our past behind, we invite your Holy Spirit to come and dwell in us. I pray that you would be the Lord of everything, that you would make us new creations, give us a new heart, a new attitude, give us words that reflect the presence of God in us. Help us as temptation comes to be able to stand strong and to respond when you call and to obediently obey. Lord, I pray for each one of these children who have become your instruments today. I pray that you would work in them not only today, but every day of their lives. May they know your grace. May they know what it is to walk in your will continually. Lord, we praise you for the work that you are doing in here, in us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I do encourage you, if you do not have a church home, we would love for you to come back. We do church every Sunday, uh, so it's not just when we have the Christmas program, but it is a blessing to have family and friends that will come for an event like this. You will never know how much it means to your children, to your grandchildren, to your nephews and nieces. You will never know how much it means to them that you were here today. Thank you very, very much for being a part of that. I'm going to ask, I think the children are going to come back up, and I think Jenny is going to lead them, and we are going to close with a song, and I'm not 100% sure what the song is, but I'm trusting them, so. And thank you for not throwing beach balls while I was actually talking. angels wrote God and sinners reconciled so we're going to combine the word that Pastor Mike brought today about our reconciliation through the coming of Christ we're going to combine that with the story that the children brought to us today and we're going to sing hark the herald angels and we're going to sing it island style so if you'll stand with us as we sing
for being a part of our service this morning. I will ask that if you want to come up and take pictures, you are welcome to do so. Uh, actually, now would be a great time to do that. Thank you. If you're not taking pictures, go in peace. So thank you for being here.